This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure. The guys at Zero Procure have walked a mile in the shoes of many of our listeners from the world of hospitality. In fact, they have over 70 years of collective experience of working in the hospitality industry, and that'll probably be me getting into trouble for making them feel old. I really recommend speaking to them to ensure you're working with the right suppliers at the right price. There's zero cost involved. Just click on their link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Benoit Blin, chef patissier at Le Manoir aux Cats Saison and TV judge on Bake Off The Professionals. Coming up on today's show, Benoit finds himself in a pastry nightmare. I realised I didn't have the right ingredients, I didn't have the right equipment, I didn't have the right recipe with me. Phil alienates Benoit in one sentence. When it comes to matters of pastry, I can't do it. And Benoit tells us what not to do if you ever get your shot on Bake Off the Professionals. When Jerry and I see things like that, we, we, we're boiling like, a, like the kettle. All that and so much more as we chat through Benoit's awesome story and journey to date. Chatting to Benoit was a total joy from start to finish. Not only has he got a cracking career story to share, but there's some amazing lessons throughout, especially if you're looking to learn ways to get the most out of your own career. And some of them might even surprise you. A huge thank you to Benoit for giving us his time. As always, if you have the time, please head over to your podcast app of choice and leave us a review. It really does make a huge difference. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Benoit Blin. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How are you? to be here, but I'm very good. Very happy. I've got my uh, mug of uh, latte, coffee latte next to me. I'm happy. Very good. Yeah, I mean, well, I've come to Le Manoir to, yeah. to talk to you today because, uh, well, why not? And mm-hmm. also beautiful weather outside for Le Manoir. Like it's it's the perfect Christmas scene, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. The touch of frost is there this morning, minus six on the road. And it's nippy, to say the least. Nippy, indeed. <laughs> it's, I think I left the house, it was minus five this morning. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they don't send the... Um, the gritter down my road, so you've got to drive very carefully. Yeah, but it's everywhere around here, actually. We are in the countryside, so, you know, it's a little bit icy. Yeah. But it's beautiful. You look everywhere, it's all white. It's beautiful just before Christmas. It's lovely. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a better place to be at Christmas, to be honest. Just we, all the decorations up. I was talking to one of your colleagues on the way in there as well about how you get choirs in to, to sing carols and stuff, and it's just little... Yeah, we've got the, the Christmas carols at the minute, uh, every December, the first couple of weeks of December, we've got a few nights where we've got the choirs in the church next to Le Manoir, and we've got 180 of our guests coming uh, to listen to it and then come for a lovely dinner after that, so it keeps us busy and keeps us in the mood Yeah, until well, Christmas for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so for the, the few people out there who might not know who you are, just tell mm. us who you are and what it is that you do. Well, uh, I'm Benoit Blain, I'm the chef patissier, or head pastry chef as you will say in English, uh, of Le Manoir au Quatre Saisons, uh, and I've been uh, uh, the chef pâtissier there for the past 28 years, working very closely to, with Raymond Blanc. And um, yes, I'm looking after a team of 14 chefs, and we do everything on the sweet side of Le Manoir, from the bread to the breakfast items, viennoiseries, chocolate, uh, name it, plated dessert, and so on and so forth. Everything is made in-house. Right. There we go. That's a short story. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that sounds like you're not busy at all then. There's not a lot to do. No, there's not a lot. 14 chefs flat out. Uh, wow. Basically, the place uh, barely shouts. In fact, the, the place never shuts down, really, other than a week in January. So you have to cover every single day, every single shift. So therefore, you need a big team to cover everything and, and do the work. Yeah, 14. God. Yeah. Well, we'll get on to that because yeah. uh, that's obviously makes up part of your yeah. journey. But I really want to talk to you today about how you got into hospitality in the first place and just kind of talk us through your journey. So mm-hmm. how did it happen all the way back, however many years ago it was? I'll let well, you be the judge whether you tell the world how long ago it was. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, I always compare myself with Obelix in some ways, the little French character, <laughs> cartoons, because I fall into the pot when I was little. And it is virtually true. Um, I lived in the street. Uh, in France, in Normandy, in the small town of Villiers-les-Poiles. And um, I had two bakers on either side of the street. And both of them had uh, sons, which are the same age as me. So naturally, I was playing already in their kitchens. You know, we called them fournil at the time. They were bakers. And I, I grew up with the scent of flour and freshly baked goods. And uh, also, I had a very sweet tooth since I was little and I always loved to hang around these places around four o'clock to try to 
have the chance of a little pain au chocolat or a croissant, which could have been hanging around because I loved it. And so from seven, eight years old, I was already uh, mixing up in, in this environment and I love food and my phone is just ringing. That's not great, is That's it? That's all right. Well, that'll make the, uh, the, the <laughs> intro. I do a comedy <laughs> intro if you haven't listened to any before. So well, I, you wanted I'll... something funny. There it comes. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, so I got into the, the mix uh, uh, of uh, the... The, the, the baking world and also one of my best friends parents who used to run the best hotel in town l'hôtel saint-pierre and i used to play in those fast uh, uh, uh banquet rooms you know and you had the whole room for yourself with your friend and the dad was the chef in the kitchen and the mom was looking after the hotel so though my parents in the background were artisans but they were like more painters and decorators so they were refurbishing houses and things like that the world of food is something i've discovered with my friends and definitely something I loved. On the side of that, my mom had to cook on a regular basis for uh, uh, my father's team. So sometimes we could be 16 at lunch that she had to kind of deal with. So the cooking element never scared me right. in some ways. I've always been embracing it and I loved uh, especially the sweet side of it. So that's why I became a pastry chef. I yeah, guess. And then somebody told you you could make a living out of something that you love. Well, somebody Basically. said you never worked a day in your life if you do something you love. Uh, there are days I love it more than others, <laughs> to be honest about it, like every every passion in life. But the truth is I, I consider myself very lucky, and that's why I tell my children as well, find something you love doing. Don't force yourself doing something you don't because you're wasting your time. But if you do, then give everything you've got, and that's lovely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So... Uh, what happened next then? How you got you got into the industry, but uh, how did the journey take off? Well, the journey take off because actually one of the bakers in my street took me on an apprenticeship. I was 14, just above 14 at the time. So fairly young. I, I wasn't an adult. Huh? I was a kid still, 14 years old. And bless him, my dad had to drive me at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> to get to my first shifts and wow. until I got a moped eventually. And then I did the journey myself. Uh, but yes, 14 year old, 14 years old and started as a baker first for two years because, uh, I'd been very strongly influenced by my parents, bless them. And, uh, they kind of, uh, they, 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 they understood the artisan world, but obviously from a different uh, side. Yeah. And they always thought, you know, but moi, if you want to be a good pastry chef, you can have to know how to do the bread as well. Because if one day you've got your own business, only one side of it might just be difficult. And in France, uh, a lot of good, successful business sells bread as well as patisserie. So I wanted to know everything and then make my choices after if I had to. And actually, that has been always my motto of preparing myself for the world. If you aim high, you can always come back down and find what you like to do and adjust to the need of, of, of your job uh, uh, in some ways. So I always said, I'm going to do two years apprenticeship in a bakery, which I started. And uh, 14 years old, there I was, uh, earning uh, something uh, less than 70 pounds a month. Right. Uh, my first wage, in some ways. What I really love about that, though, is, is that you, like, you had the support of your family very early. Like, to get up in the morning and drive yeah. you at four o'clock in the morning to a yeah. shift, that's a dedicated parent, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that that's different in France than it is to the UK? This is a subject that intrigues me greatly, because we always, always talk about how hospitality is is seen in uh, Europe as a your proper professional career, mm. whereas in the UK it's maybe not necessarily got that gravitas in amongst some parents out there, mm. uh, which is what we're trying to change. But um, do you, is that a fair comment? Do you think, or do you do you see it differently? Well, I've been here only twenty eight years, so I only, didn't grow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't grow in this country, so I just uh, came as a guest uh, only later on in life. But from what I see. Parents here are as dedicated as anybody else around the world. I believe they, they still want the best for their children. They still fight for the best schools. They try to even move around the place to try to yeah, make true. sure they've got a good catch, uh, a good catching school for, for their kids. So I don't think the dedication of the parents is to be put in doubt. What is perhaps hopefully changing now is the perception of what the hospitality industry is all about. Yeah. I think, uh, I remember, uh, kind of picking up, the difference in France, it's a job, it's it's a career, it's something you see yourself doing respectably and be very proud of it. When perhaps in the UK, it's something which has started to change recently. Yeah. Uh, when before being a waiter, you know, serving people at the table was seen as a casual job, perhaps it still is, 
but not as something you can do for the rest of your life. Yeah. You see, when in fact, there is very uh, 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 great uh, career path to be taken when you are a head waiter or a sommelier, and there is more than just putting a plate on the table and a smile to a guest in that side of the job. And for the pastry chef, well, it's the truth as well, because actually, uh, 28 years ago, a great chef said pastry in England or in the UK is dead. And I've never believed this because now, out of 14 people in my team, I'm the only Frenchman and everybody else pretty much, or three quarters of them are from UK. Brilliant. Yeah, yes, or, or British nationality. So that means there is now an understanding that if you like baking, if you like making patisserie, if you like the sweet side of cooking, you can choose making this and make a career out of it here in the UK. It's a growing uh, element of it. Restaurant and hotel start to appreciate that there is a different skill set between chefs and pastry chefs, yeah. as well as there is a different skill set from a sommelier to a waiter or a head waiter. So we're starting to see different niche, different speciality within the, the industry, which now attract uh, 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 youngsters and uh, less young uh, people for perhaps uh, doing this as a passion. Yeah. You know, and you got actually uh, the number of CV you would not believe uh, who comes back after having spent uh, five or six years at university and uh, working for a bank and decided at 28 or 30 years old that they didn't want to do this no more because they don't enjoy it and they don't want to come back from the beginning and being a pastry chef. Wow. And you say, right. well, that's not something which was happening 28 years ago. This is something which is now happening because people realize they want to do something they love. Yeah. So sometimes it's not always possible. Economically, it's a big jump to come from uh, working in a bank to uh, starting at the bottom of the For ranks sure. in, a, in a pastry world. But it is there. So And all of them have been saying to me, the regrets, the biggest regrets, not, not having followed their heart, but follow what uh, they were due to do as opposed to what they wanted to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, I'd never thought about it that way. That's that you can get somebody at that stage of their career who's... You know, Basically, wants to start again because the, the path that they've chosen is not the path that they actually yeah, want. Yeah, and it's never too late to, to realize that. But obviously, the longer you wait, the harder the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. obviously, I remember somebody uh, working in a bank uh, with a salary over sixty thousand pounds a year, uh, having to leave that to the side yeah. and then start back uh, at the very uh, uh, lower level in, in in the job, which is not badly paid, but still, you got to have that. Uh, and also you have to work uh, the weekends and suddenly the evening. So the lifestyle has to change as well. Yeah. So when you are young, you invest your time in developing your skills, making sure you are good around the earth and uh, you get as strong as you can. Then suddenly the salaries are way, way, way better than uh, you could expect. And they are certainly as competitive as you would have perhaps in a bank or anywhere else like that. For sure. So that's the attractive thing. But you need to prepare yourself and decide from the beginning this is something you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's for not sure. an overnight success for sure. You've got no, to put no. the graft in. And but like anything, I suppose yeah. those so, who yeah, went exactly. to university invest a lot of effort, a lot of money, but hopefully it's for something they want to do for life. Yeah. Because otherwise it's a, it's an expensive game. Yeah, totally. To yeah. Back to your story. Yep. What happened next? Where did we get to? We were so we were at the apprenticeship, I guess, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I did two years apprenticeship as a baker first, and then I followed it by another two years as a pastry chef. Because ultimately, I wanted to be a pastry chef. It's something, I love sweets. Uh, there is that little uh, uh, biscuit uh, uh, who kind of trigger, played with my mind from where I was very, very, very young. Uh, it's called the financier. And I always oh, thought yeah. if I could do my own, I could eat as many as I can. <laughs> and believe it or not, every single day I eat one. Really? Right. <laughs> Which is not good for me, I have oh, to say. Oh, you actually look yeah. at good neck, though. Yeah, yeah. But there is a hazelnut financier. He's part of a little biscuit range, and it's in a box and always going to be there. Right. It always remind me that there is certainly one of the reasons I fall into the pot was one of those. Yeah. Uh, you know, and my little guilty pleasure in some way. So I became a pastry chef. I always love the intricacy of work. As a baker, you, you, you handle big volumes it could be very repetitive uh especially if you work in a shop but as a pastry chef there is always going to be a little bit of artwork a little bit of a of finesse and then the variety of things you have to do every day to get by makes it very interesting yeah and, and then the, the seasons as well and the exactly. other thing you have to yeah. and the produce you're working with i mean i was 16 years old i never saw vanilla pot in my life at the time yeah kiwis were the first food we kind of 
exotic fruit to starting to see when I was young. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It looks like uh, now it's on every uh, shelf of every supermarket. But the reality in those days, in France, you were eating very seasonal food, which was great. But at the same time, you knew only what you could get around you. Now yeah. the world is very global and you can get anything and see everything, which in terms of a development point of view is very interesting. But as a pastry chef, yeah, I discovered my first vanilla pods, the difference between different varieties of chocolates, origin and so on. And then you start to grow and not just making cakes or patisseries, you also start to build up your knowledge about ingredients, yeah. which is crucial because you're not mixing up two powders together to make a cake. You have to understand the chemical reaction, the flavor profile, the essence of flavors, and how it's going to work together to create a beautiful uh, gâteau, pâtisserie, or dessert. Yeah, and that's I suppose that's a, a comes with experience as opposed to I mean I always look at the world of pastry as being quite almost alchemy because mm -hmm. it's you know it's a real art form, but it, it feels like it's not something that you could you like you can have ideas in your head, but you can't fully form them just overnight like it's it's going to take time to get your head around what you need to make that the most spectacular version of whatever it is that you've come up with it's never achieved that's right. the truth the, poor, the and that's 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 a dangerous game to a degree if you are a perfectionist like you can be and i'm a little bit unfortunately at times because you're never happy with the result you always try to push to find the best result you sometimes find it when you do There you go. There is your classic dish. There is your classic pâtisserie that you will keep for the rest of your life. And you know, it's it's achieved almost perfection yeah. to your mind if it's never perfect. But it takes time and humility. You will get one thing from the first go straight to where it should be. It's called luck. That's <laughs> nothing else. It's called luck because there is always something to work on to make it better. But uh, sometimes you, you strike lucky and, and you've got the, the right direction. Actually, development or creation of a new dish is always the hardest thing because you need to find your inspiration. You need to know where, what's your story, what's your journey with this dish? What do you want to achieve and what ultimately uh, emotions you want to create mm. when you are eating something? Because at the end of the day, flavors, textures, visuals create emotions, yeah. reaction. And that's what you want in our guest. Guest spends quite a bit of money when they come and eat with you uh, here, definitely at Le Manoir. You want to uh, trigger in themselves uh, something they didn't think was possible. So yeah. there you go. So it could be, and emotions come from different places as far as eating food. You know, it could be a very simple, simply made uh, bake like the petit financier, and yet ensure that you've got the best pleasure with the flavor, the butterness and, and, and the nuttiness of, 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 the, of the smell and the flavors, as I said before. So it's just about getting it right. It's yeah. not an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm a, a wannabe chef in my own kitchen, mm -hmm. um, but I, when it comes to matters of pastry, I can't do it. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I leave that to the wife. She loves doing all that stuff because well, it's, it's kind of, You know, it, it's measured, whereas I'm I'm a kind of on-the-fly recipe kind of a guy when it comes to cooking, and that doesn't really work in the world of patisserie. And cooking at home, as I just realized uh, through the lockdown, is not the easiest thing to do. Mm. And actually, uh, patisserie in particular, or dessert, or baking, whatever you call it, is the hardest thing to do. Because you, cooking, you can always get by. You get the ingredients. You, you, you can get by very quickly. You cook the steak. You add the potato. You kind of work around. Patisserie, you have to combine together a specific amount of ingredients and the right ingredients as well. Otherwise, you ultimately change totally yeah. the result. And I did find out very hard because when I got locked away in my kitchen at home, I realized I didn't have the right ingredients. I didn't have the right equipment. <laughs> I didn't have the right recipe with me. And suddenly... You thought you were good until <laughs> you start baking in your own kitchen. Right. Then you realize, okay, now you get tested. So uh, humble, humble uh, a few months for me when I had to kind of reapproach my work. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it because it was kind of a new discovery for me. Changing the way you work, uh, adapt to uh, different conditions, 
and uh, yeah, make it work still. Yeah, and challenging, challenging. I think that's encouraging for us all as well to hear a world class yeah. pastry chef say that they they struggled in their own kitchen. That's uh, I, I'll take that to the bank. Well, don't get me wrong. I managed to get some success as well, <laughs> yeah, but it, it it is true. You have to be humble around your work. You know, the, it's a journey which will never stop learning. Yeah, you know. Uh, even a recipe you think you know you've mastered with the back of your hand and so on, change your environment and suddenly things will change also with it. So you have to really adapt and understand where it comes from. And I find that very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the story. We yep. just haven't even got into your 20s yet. No, no, no. Well, uh, just about, uh, they are about. So I done my two years apprenticeship as a pastry chef and then I went on to um, uh, work for a year in Paris. Because when you finish four years apprenticeship, then you become what we call a, a qualified ouvrier, you know, a, a chef. Right. It's simple, but in France, you got the ouvrier word for that. And you start at the very bottom, what I would say is a commis in, in, in today's world. A very classical pastry shop, uh, Rue Monge, with a, a very old pastry chef stuck in his own ways. But the good thing there, I've learned very, very, very classical thing such as making your own praliné, uh, peeling up your own almonds, uh, making your own almond, pans, mar- ma- almond paste and marzipan and things like that. Things you will not do in a pastry shop, you still don't do anymore right. because you buy them, those produce already made from very reliable uh, uh, companies and, and they are actually stunning produce. But for me, being able to do it from scratch and seeing the old-fashioned way of where our job started helped me to understand uh, how it gets made. And, and appreciate what works and what doesn't work and what you're looking for in one of those produces when you get to buy one. Yeah. So it was very interesting. The only downside to that time, it wasn't the most enjoyable for me because we had a, a clash of generation. This gentleman was about to retire. He was just past the date in terms of retirement and he was a little bit grumpy and he had right. to work with youngsters. We were all fired up and, and wanted a little bit of newness and new recipes and he wasn't having it. So I did a year. Uh, and then moved to, I did my military service because in France, I was, in ah, those right, years, yeah, you were doing a year, uh, military service in the Navy. And there I had the opportunity to work for the officers. And guess what? I was a pastry chef. No way. Oh, <laughs> pastry chef. We got a spot for you. You're going to make cakes for us. And I did. The good thing with that is I never uh, stood still. I said, okay, I'm going to do this for you, but I want you to give me, because you didn't have any two days off every week. And when you were doing your military service, when you were doing your military service, you could be there for three months without a single day off. Right. Yeah. But what I negotiated uh, through my cakes and desserts (laughs) is to have every Monday off to go to school and prepare the theory test of my master exam in pastry. So during that year, which most uh, young uh, uh, French, uh, uh, chefs or people who does the military service will think they are wasting their time. I was actually investing my time trying to do the theory side of my master exam. Right. So I did that for a year. And using your contraband to get there. And use my uh, pastry <laughs> contraband to uh, to sweeten the deal in yeah. some ways. Good pun yeah. as well. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, when I came back to work, took on a job as an ouvrier again out of uh, uh, the army and then I managed to uh, do the practical side of my master exam. There where I was, I was working in a little bakery with nobody to teach me much. So I had to go for pretty much every days off and holidays and found the pastry chefs, which were very renowned in the region where I was uh, uh, working. And I was spending a lot of time with him, Monsieur Mess. And uh, he taught me all the side of pastry I didn't know because I haven't been confronted yet completely with that master level of, 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 of work. And luckily, his son was uh, following the right path to do the master exam. He went to school specifically and dedicated for that. So between him and his son, I kind of picked all, all uh, uh, the skills I needed. And uh, two years later, I was a master pâtissier. Right. So it was fairly young because I was 22 years old, 20, yeah, 22 years old at the time. But, uh, I did work in a bakery. I did work in a restaurant. That was my first attempt at working in restaurants as well. So I kind of became very aware of the extent of what my job could be. It wasn't just a little bakery in the middle of town or a big pâtisserie in the middle of Paris. Uh, it could be a hotel. It could be a restaurant. Suddenly I kind of, realize where I wanted to go and work. And the restaurant hotel world was uh, more 
of a favor to me because uh, the shift pattern was more like uh, my skate, my my clock in some ways where I prefer yeah. to work uh, in the evening than very early in the morning. And that's always been the case. Plus, working in hospitality, which is a restaurant and an hotel in particular, gives you the opportunity to meet some other, so many other people. But when you work in a pastry shop or in a bakery, you, you only see your colleague. Right, yeah. And then you get there, it's dark, you leave, you go to bed, you see no one. Right. You know, when in a, you work in hospitality industry, you see so many people from different origins, from different skill sets, from different experience. There's so much to learn from people you're working with other than just what you're doing as yeah, well. Yeah. And made it so much more interesting for me. So that's why I started to decide, or well, that's why I decided to stick to this side of the world uh, of, of cooking. And I went to work at uh, the Normandy Hotel in Deauville for my first position as a pastry chef in a restaurant. Uh, where I was uh, by myself doing bread and all the dessert and again devlo developing my skill in trying to suddenly not making pâtisseries or baking anymore, but I had to transfer these skills into a plated dessert where obviously textures, flavor profile, and emotion side of it is completely different than when you got into a cake. Yeah. Because there in a cake, something needs to last for a few hours, when in a dessert, it will be gone within 10 minutes. So you're working, you're pushing the boundaries and you can work with different kind of textures uh, and more fragile and, and lighter flavors. So very interestingly there. Then I, from there, I did a year and a half there. And then I got the greatest opportunity of my life, which was to go and work uh, at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. Right. The first original Ritz Hotel. I know there is one in London as well, which has also been created by Cesaris, but the first one was the one in Place Vendôme. And I, I had two places in the world I wanted to work. Uh, one was the Ritz in Paris and one was uh, Hotel de Monaco in Monaco. Hotel de Paris in Monaco. Right. And both reasons was because I wanted to work with Meilleur Ouvrier de France. Meilleur Ouvrier de France is uh, the equivalent we've got here is the MCAs, uh, Master of Culinary Arts, which happen every four years. And in France, those guys are the best craftsmen in their field, in France, and ultimately in the world. And at the Ritz in Paris and at the Hotel de Paris in Monaco, you had some of those guys in bakery, in pâtisserie, in kitchens. They were everywhere. So those big uh, kitchens had the means to employ the best people. And I wanted to work with one of them to see how it felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and also learn, learn from the best. Because yeah. all my career, I've learned through good people, but had to work hard to try to find that knowledge and that skill to better myself with it. There, you could work with those guys, embed yourself in it, and then completely submerge yourself in that world of perfection. Yeah. And, and try to be the best you could. So... I got a position after waiting for six months. I had to wait six months for a position to become available there. And I started, I was like 22 or 23 years old as a chef de party. I was chef de party and I'd never worked in the kitchen. But then I hold my ground, 23 years old, and I worked there for almost four years and ended up as a sous chef, number two in a pastry kitchen. And uh, we were 85 in the kitchen. Believe it or not. And, and five yeah. of those guys were meilleur in France. One in bakery, four in kitchen. Right. My chef pâtissier did the final of the MOF twice, but never got uh, uh, to, unfortunately, uh, the, the title because it's something you don't get given. You have to work very hard. And there is a little bit of, of, of luck as well on the day. You have to deliver on the day. And it's a very, very, very tough awards to get. But right. when you get it, it's the ultimate... Uh, Reward in France for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, worked four years there, almost four years. And then the phone rang. It was Raymond Blanc, uh, looking for a pastry chef. So at the time, uh, I was kind of looking to leave the Ritz, though I had a great position. I was well looked after and, you know, I was continuing to grow. But after four years, I wanted to travel the world. I was 27 years old. I've dedicated pretty much all my career. Uh, to my work. My wife, who just got married, said to Raymond Blanc one day, uh, Benoit is married with his work, then with me. I believe, believe me when I say it's not true, I'm, I'm married with my wife first. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she thought I was, because I was completely invested myself to grow. Yeah. I wanted to make myself as strong as possible. So we wanted to travel, uh, potentially, uh, to go to nice places, having uh, consolidate your, 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 your CV in some ways at the Ritz in Paris. But the UK was at the very bottom of the list. Uh, 
promise you. Yeah, I uh, love I you guys a bit. I don't doubt it at that uh, time. But at the time, I wanted to travel perhaps to places exotic or to America to try to get, you know, the big buck and then eventually uh, have a different lifestyle. Yeah. But Raymond Blanc was the first one to call and I came to see him. It took me about... Yeah, four months to make my mind up. He was a very persuasive man, I have to say. He was trying, <laughs> trying, trying. And I wasn't committing. I was not quite ready. And eventually, in January 1995, I joined the team. And I said to him, you know, if I'm here six, year, six months, I'll be there two years. Yeah? Yeah. There was a lot to be done to, to set it to the standard, though the persecution was a, a great one. But Le Manoir was in the transition phase of... Uh, extension and, 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 and rebuilding and the pastry kitchen uh, at the temporary head chefs for the past couple of years made it a little bit difficult to ground a team that could yeah, progress. Course, so uh, yeah. my job was to kind of set this one down and, and, and reinstall some good foundations which they had before, but they've lost for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, six months grew in two years and two years grew in 28 years. But, uh, uh, I love working here. Yes, there are better days than others, like everybody. Yeah, uh, but you appreciate it makes you appreciate makes you appreciate the good days better when you have a, a sli slightly less ones. You know what I mean? And um, but there is not one day the same. And that's that's the truth. That's the reality. This place is is never standing still. There is always uh, that uh, quest for perfection, as Raymond Blanc will say. Yeah. And um, every HOD which has been there long enough understands that and is fully behind it and committed to it. Yeah. What I really love about your journey to this point is, I mean, what you talked about earlier in our conversation around set your sights high mm -hmm. and maybe you'll land there, maybe you won't, maybe you'll land a little bit below that. But if you set your sights high, you, know, you don't know what you're going to be able to achieve until you do that. And your, your story is a kind of living proof of that. You set your sights, I wanted to go and work at the Ritz in Paris. Nailed that, got that. It was hard work, no doubt, I'm sure. And probably your learning curve was extreme at times. But you keep setting this dedicated sights on being the best you can possibly be. And that, and even in the when you were talking about even like your time off was spent going to learn. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is the thing that I think is a it's a message that I think is massively important if you really, really want to make it in anything whether it's yeah, hospitality yeah. or anywhere, you've got to have that level of dedication, I think. I don't think, I think you're very, very lucky if you get to a, a position of success quickly and, you know, luckily. I mean, maybe Instagram mm. uh, influencers can do it in 10 days or whatever. But I, yeah, I mean, I, when it comes to learning your craft, especially when it comes to, to that, and I don't mind blowing smoke up your backside as well. My wife and I have eaten here before mm. and... My wife is quite particular when it comes to desserts. Yep. She doesn't like oversweet, likes balance. She said, make sure you remember to tell Benoit that <laughs> it's the best desserts that we've ever had anyway. Well, she has to come back. Yeah, so there we are. So, um, well, thank you for that. Yeah, but yeah, I really, really love that. And I also love the fact that, I mean, you, you would have joined here at a time where the food scene in the UK probably wasn't that great. I it was it was the beginning, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, but it is true. Uh, I remember going out. That's a hell of a leap of faith. Hell of a leap of faith. <laughs> going out around Oxford, I remember that Tourne de Rossini, uh, which was a disaster in a restaurant. I say, oh God, this is what we're eating. And in fact, the best food you could find was in pubs, gastropub, cooking honest English food. You know. Right. And and that was the that was lovely. But any anything being tried to be fancy a little bit, it was a disaster. We grew from that. I mean, the UK now is, I mean, even comparing to France, when I go to France, sometimes some restaurants are really, really average for the money you pay. When here in the UK, you've got, enfin, you had to before, <laughs> cost of living and all that. Yeah. Uh, really good value for money and the cooking skills was brilliant because they were trying to be good at what they were doing. When in France, they are a bit complacent at times. You say, that's going to do, that's going to be fine, you know. And, the, and I thought the service... And, 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 and the quality of food in, in general in France, not everywhere, of course, but mainstream has gone down when in the UK went up. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but what I wanted to say earlier on about the career and, 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 and perhaps a message for young lads is invest. Don't see it like dedication. Yeah, dedication, dedication. But you think, oh, it's a whole lot of hard work. But if you love what you do, it's not as hard as that. Yeah. Because 
you have a Sunday or you have a Monday off, bam, you're going to go and go on and pull sugar work and do some lovely sugar roses and do a sugar sculpture or chocolate or whatever. It's fun yeah. if you love what you're doing. Yeah. But it's also work. But it's an investment. You are investing in yourself. So there's nothing wrong there. Yeah. There's absolutely wrong. Now, if you rather invest in going to the movie or going out and play your PlayStation or your gum console or like my son online movie games and so on, yeah. it's your call. But ultimately, are you bettering yourself in your own development there or just having fun? And having fun is important, but let's not forget fun will not always give you a career prospect. And the last little bit of advice I would say, for me, it was all about what is my career going to look like when I'm 40 years old? And I was perhaps a boring little view and most youngsters don't know what they want to do in life and the most interesting people are certainly don't know what they want to be in life. But it gives you an idea of where you want to sit with your family. Yeah. Would you have a family? Would you want a family? When I was young, I always thought, I'll have one. And then how do you care and how do you look after a family? Well, you need to give your best chance, your best shot and your best chances behind you to make sure you're as strong and as skilled as possible to get there. For me, there was no doubt I'll be a pastry chef anyway. So I said, there we go. Invest most of my time in bettering myself. And one day at 27 years old, when I came to the manoir, then I had the skill set necessary to do the job and be there. The problem we have today's world, when there is a skill shortage, perhaps in our industry, is you get some uh, 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 people in the industry who get brought up in the most superior position that they actually skilled for. And that's the downside to that, because then they, they reach their limit far too quickly. Yeah. So I would say, guys, invest in your development, invest in your progression, make sure it's something you love doing, and look at yourself in the future. How strong do you want to be? And where do you want to be, potentially? And that's maybe a question too far. And many struggle to answer that, but because you never kind of thought about it, yeah. you know? And that helps you to give yourself a path towards success. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would, all, I would just add to that as well, that, like consolidate your learning. Like mm -hmm. you don't need to be in a rush to get from CDP to sous chef, no. as an example, you know? Make sure you take all of the learning you can while you're at that level so that you've, you're better prepared for the next level. Yeah. Um, if you make too quick progress, you can sometimes fi find yourself out your depth very quickly, and that's a different problem. Um, yeah. Then at that point, but, but yeah, ultimately, it, it's 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 very good. I think our industry is a generous one. There's been some reset button being pressed in the past two or three years, which make it less hard than it used to be. I mean, now people are paid for every hour they work. You should say it's, it should be, but it hasn't been always the case. We talk about long hours. Yes, they are still longer than others, but not as bad as they were. Yeah. You know, to give you an example, in a pastry at Le Manoir, we work 48, 50 hours a week, while we used to do 70, 80. Yeah. Okay, so there is still a lot more uh, done than perhaps if somebody works 35 or 40 hours. That's a fact. But in our industry, it's a lot less than it used to be. And you can have a work-life balance around it, which is important. And you still meet everybody. Plus, you can travel with it. Uh, let's not forget, though we live in a world of uh, traveling restriction with COVID, coming out of COVID a little bit, but you could live anywhere in the world with that job yeah. or any of those jobs. Because anywhere be in the world, you will have a restaurant or a hotel or a shop which will need your skills. So it gives you an opportunity to live differently. I suppose that if you go into a bank, potentially you may have a good quality of life, fair enough, but you will stick to pretty much where you are, potentially. With our work, you might not be academically driven, though I will always encourage youngsters, don't think it's a job for the people who can't read and write only. It's, you can be smart, and the smarter you are, the more successful you can be. But obviously, Without too much academic behind you, you can uh, look at the world uh, as your oyster and the place you can work with yeah. and meet so many great people. And you meet great people, famous people. And eventually, if you are a bit lucky, you can do a bit of TV as well. Yeah, wow. <laughs> nice segue there. there you go. <laughs> so how did that come about? How did uh, Because uh, you know what we were talking about earlier on as well around the fact that the world of pastry has really been put on the map. First of all, in a kind of amateur sense with Bake Off, yeah. and then Bake Off professionals came along, and frankly, 
it's a compelling watch. Mm. It's actually one of the most stressful TV shows mm. I have ever watched in my life, especially when they're moving the the show pieces uh, and the like. But how did that come about for you? Well, before the TV, what's important is the world of competitions. I mean, that's one thing we haven't discussed yet. Is obviously throughout that journey of of bettering yourself, perfecting your skills, and 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 growing into your job role. Competition is also a very big tool to that. Yeah. And believe it or not, there is a World Cup of pastry. Yeah. Yes, it's not just football or rugby. There is also a World Cup of pastry. It's called La Coupe du Monde de la Pâtisserie. It has to be a French name because it's held in France. <laughs> But the reality is the Pastry World Cup. And it's held in Lyon every two years. And um, I've been involved since 2011 in helping to set a team there uh, one way or another. And we've had a, a UK representation there Uh, uh, since then, uh, the first time in 2011, we had only three months to come up with a team and make it work. And, and we came within the best 10 teams in the world, considering you've got like 25 teams, uh, in, to begin with. And that was with no money, uh, no training, no nothing. We put two guys together, another one on top, and then off you go, try your best with what you got. Yeah. So that gave us a lot of hope and, And, and encouragement to uh, carry on. And every two years, we grew up throughout the ranks. And uh, the last one, we finished fourth, uh, just the, the, the wrong place to be, just off yeah. the podium. But considering the UK pastry world is fourth in the world, would you think that when you look around you? Well, it's definitely something we help uh, or we contributed to grow in this country. Plus, mm. I've done uh, the Master of Culinary Art in 2005. And I had three of my sous-chefs who have actually won it since and I encourage all my youngsters to take part of all different likes of competition young pastry chef of the year and different things like that in order for them also to embrace that culture of bettering yourself through your own work and your time off but also through competition one day those guys they look at their they look behind and they say well I'm completely above everybody else because I've done those little extras but then throughout that world of competition which I've seriously encouraged Uh, through my time here at Le Manoir and in the UK, eventually a phone call came about. And um, through that World Cup of pastry and the guys starting to Google a little bit and see uh, what was happening uh, at the world stage and, and what was achieved, uh, a production company uh, decided to perhaps try to put a competition, but uh, a, a television competition. Right. As such, which could be a teamwork competition, which never happened before. Most competition on TV or much uh, program on TV about single person. Yeah, yeah, sure. So as a teamwork, we started with a team of three, three people like you would have it for the, for the, for the World Cup. And uh, they had to find the judges to be able to be uh, knowledgeable enough to a degree uh, and potentially uh, going well on TV as well uh, or not being f scared of the camera and things like that. And uh, they were starting to interview people. And actually, I wasn't called to begin with. I don't blow my own trumpets on this. Yeah. Um, actually, Cherish and I got among the last one to be interviewed. Really? Uh, casted for it. Right. Uh, See, in my head, I was like, ah, right, we need to go and get him and we need to go and get her. And that's it. But the thing is, what really warmed my heart is... The whole casting process, I've heard about it going on. And I said, you know, well, well done. Good for them. And um, lasted about four or five months. And yeah, three or four months into it, we got the phone call. And I said, well, well, I know you guys have been casting for a little while. Why are you calling me now? I mean, is the reason. They said, well, yeah, yeah. we ask every single people they've interviewed and casted who they think we should also interview to be with them. And your name was mentioned pretty much all the time. So eventually they said, well, we have to call you. Uh, and we did. So I came down and we got uh, through a selection process of different judges. And so was Cherish as well. So I knew Cherish from before uh, in the industry. We never met uh, a lot, but I knew we, we, we went to a pastry events on several occasions. So I knew of her yeah. and we, we get on very well. But the difference then, I think, I suppose, or what I think we've got... Uh, picked from is because out of everybody we might have been genuine in in our in our feedback and willing to kind of do were very hard as you uh, can yeah, expect yeah, yeah. and as you would have seen um we were also trying to kind of make sure there was a positive outcome somewhere somehow or at least for the chefs down the line and also uh, trying to find the best 
uh, of the candidate we could find. And eventually we got uh, to be first three judges uh, and then eventually down to two. And uh, we are about to film uh, the eighth series Eight next now. year. God. Yeah, there you go. God, the time flies. So, yeah. But it's exciting time. Uh, every year I, I feel excited about the idea of going back and, and, and meet new chefs meet new challenges as well with the chefs because obviously Cherish and I are designing those those challenging yeah. those those challenges and but you never know how the team are going to react to it and and some, sometimes uh, uh, looks great and sometimes it doesn't yeah. that's uh, sometimes we think we fail we fail them have we asked for something which is looking that difficult but then one or two teams manages it so that means it's yeah, achievable no, no, but it's, it's a challenge right you've got to set a challenge and that's, that that's the same it's the same thing if they apply the same process i.e. invest in your development and invest in your uh, uh, practice for that matter then you come to the challenge time and you will not fail dramatically yeah. you will be there or thereabout and yeah. often enough especially through the first rounds the teams haven't prepared well enough and therefore um, they find it harder than they thought it would be. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the truth. No, I mean, I think you guys get the balance right of kind of being, I mean, you're like mom and dad, basically. You know, mm. you're, it's like we, we're going to push you and we, you know, we're going to be pretty tough on mm. the feedback, but equally we're going to encourage you. We want you to bring out the best of yourself for, for this competition. And I suppose there's also this element of anybody who gets into that competition it's going to be nerves to start with as well as they get settled into the format and all of that as well. And once they've riddled that out, then you hopefully get the best of them and, and that's the uh, the moment that they shine. No, definitely. I mean, some are usually pretty nervous, especially the first the first day. The first day is a reality check for them because yeah. they know they've got three and a half hours to do a challenge, but time flies. But there are two of them, so technically they've got seven hours, yeah? But if they go a little too light on their feet for the first half an hour, those 30 minutes is 30 minutes they won't have back. Yeah. And I always say to them, you know, off camera, because you don't always see through the editing how nice we are actually with the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I quite believe it. I, quite I, believe it. I kind of make a point to gather them all in the middle of the kitchen. And that's my first thing today. The first minute is the one you will never get back. So do not waste it. Yeah. We're spinning around like or looking for a pan or believe it or not, some even have a cup of tea. You know, they make sure the first minute is spent making sure there is hot water in their teapot and then having a cup of tea. When Cherish and I see things like that, we, we, we boiling like a, like the kettle. <laughs> we could pour flipping tea for them, uh, for sure, because there is just enough time to do a good job. There is enough time to do a great job. And there is just enough time, if a little something goes wrong, to do a good job still. Yeah. Everything after that becomes complicated. Yeah. And that's, that's what we make sure guys, 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 when we do the auditions in October of all the teams, regardless if they're going to pick, get picked or not, I say to them, guys, start practicing now. Regardless if you are picked or not, start practicing now. Every area you are weak for, start practicing now. Because if you are picked and when you are picked, that skill will help you to do work on the development of the recipe we ask you to do. Yeah. And it'd be, if you haven't, and wait only to find out, it's a wasted opportunity to better yourself. Yeah, again. you might never be here again. Might, yeah, exactly. might never get the opportunity again. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you try to serve the wave when they are motivated as well. But some do understand it, some don't. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So many questions I want to ask you, but I am very con conscious <laughs> of time and that you have probably thirteen plus pans on the go in the kitchen at the moment. But I'm going to come back to mm -hmm. the uh, the story, as it were, not something I always love to ask anyone, everyone that comes on the show is, uh, do you have any funny stories from your career so far? I'm sure many, but uh, st stuff that's repeatable on air. I, well, I do remember, because you very kindly did fill out the, the yeah. form for me before, there was uh, one around uh, bagpipe music. Oh, which, um, yes. Which really, as you can hear resonate. from the accent, <laughs> it sparked an interest. Yes, so... Um, I work usually for Christmas, or I, I have been for the past few years, and there is a little tradition. I mean, I usually at work we don't play music because everybody's 100% focused. It's a little bit of a Formula One team, you know, you're there to perform. Uh, we are, we, we, we talk to each other, but music is a distraction. We need to focus on what we do yep. uh, and, and, and stay strong there, except on Christmas Day. Okay. On Christmas Day, I turn the music on. And it's bagpipe 
morning with all the bike pack, Scottish bike pack songs and, and on and on. And usually I played before the service start for about a couple of hours. Quite loud. Oh, a couple of hours. Yeah, a couple quickly. of hours. God, I'm not sure I can deal uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> I find, I find half of the team cope with it quite well. Yeah. And the other half uh, struggle a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I used to do that when I first joined uh, Le Manoir many, many, many years ago. We used to have the DVD players and there was a, 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 a hi-fi in the, chef, in, in, in the chefs in the kitchen's office and we used to play a DVD. And it was a backpack special Christmas. And uh, it was going through the whole kitchen, not just the pastry, through the whole kitchen. Right. And then I find that CD later on scratched completely <laughs> with knives and so on to make sure it wasn't working. But now those days, there's no, there's no DVDs or, or, or CDs anymore. You can play it uh, 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 on Wi-Fi. So obviously, it's on for two hours. And I'm always going to remember my little Frenchman, a, a young commie I had. And uh, he was the quietest I've ever seen him. He was quiet naturally, but this time he was like in a corner of the kitchen, not moving. He couldn't take it. He was having a little tear really? in the corner of his eye. And it was just like, but said nothing. So eventually after two hours, we realized that he was completely frustrated beyond anything because he couldn't take the, the, the noise the backpack makes. But it always been part of our funny story. We laughed about it. When about yeah. it he couldn't take it. But... Everybody knows now, uh, Christmas Day morning, there is at least a good hour, a solid hour of not Christmas music, but bye music, music, which I always find. Yeah. Uh, um, nice. no, that reminds me of, um, if you ever watched that SAS program on Channel 4, no. it's, a, it's another uh, reality TV show, but okay. uh, one of the challenges oh, yes. that they get them to do is um, they put them in stress positions and they play, put thrash metal through yeah i yeah, think yeah. a bagpipes for two hours would do the same to me yeah yeah it would it would it would it would i i, I completely get it but it's part of our tradition yeah you know uh, in, the kitchen, uh, in the pastry kitchen at least christmas day they're going to be some bagpipe get used to it yeah <laughs> fantastic well that's it great stuff well i mean I, as i said i'm sure there's many many more things that that we could talk about um i'd massively appreciate you coming on the show oh, and, and telling your story and keep flying the flag because i think you you definitely emit positivity for this industry and and we we need that everywhere and i, I it's it's just great to get time with people like you who just live and breathe this industry so Honestly, thank you well, so thank much thank you very much for your time and good luck to everybody good man take thank care you. And there we have it. It was wonderful to get some time with Benoit and what a story he has. I hope you enjoyed this dessert to finish off your digital Le Manoir meal this week and what a way to bring the curtain down on season three. But you won't have to wait long as I'll be back in April with more fun and shenanigans from the wonderful world of hospitality as well as a few new things for you to enjoy. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you then.